Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Simmer down with Sean Simpson. Brady Kachuk with the tip, his 100th goal, it is 300th game, and it's a Gordie Howe hat trick to tie it. The Sickest Ottawa Senators Podcast, it's gonna be sick. Well, hello, Ottawa. Hello, hockey world. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday, our first Friday edition. Everybody always knows my vibe going into a Friday, even in November, not the best weather in the world. is absolutely outstanding. And I'll tell you what, kind of a unique show here today. Of course, Justin has the day off. Uh, he can only work four days a week. So he had to find a little bit of action here for a Friday. And who is better? All of our tenure together with TSN 1200. Been about five months since both of us departed the station, but I'm super pumped on this Friday, everybody. And I know the reaction from everyone was the same. Uh, to introduce my co-host for the day, uh, please welcome Mr. Lee Versage to the show. Lee, how are you doing, brother? You know, Sean, when you first asked <laughs> me, my first thought, my first thought was, you know what? If I get to follow you for an hour ah. instead of you following the rest of us for... However long it was, uh, I, I can't. I'm going to watch my watch to make sure that uh, yeah. it's coming up. It's nice to see you. It's nice. I know you got a great setup. You got a great show here with Justin. Yeah. I'm happy you asked me. Yeah, thanks very much, Lee. And it, it is funny, eh? Because I, and I've joked uh, earlier in the week, one of the strangest things for myself was never hosting a show. And, and not right. that it's the same lead up, right? There are no clocks, which is a big part of hosting. There's no weather. There's no producer uh, yelling in your ear or anybody else for the most part. So it's pretty free, but it is pretty funny back in the day. I was always <laughs> worried. And JR had his classic lead off. Ian had his. You had yours, Lloydy Creech. Everybody had something different. So it's kind of yeah. like, okay, now I do it. The nice part about this uh, platform is you just saw on and get talking but it is also interesting and I, I was saying to Mira today you know obviously I had worked mostly with JR uh, mm-hmm. a ton with Ian uh, and then a ton with Warren Z and we had worked off and on but it is incredible you don't even realize I realized the last few years uh, but the comfort level that we had developed echo the dogs coming in as well like it's neat right and and I it, you know it was nice and, and again it was over 10 years but I really did appreciate it down the stretch it wasn't one of those situations where when both of us left TSN or were let go uh, now people say what happened to TSN I always say we had a bad agent but anyways that's for a story <laughs> for another day but you know what I mean like I did appreciate it I did appreciate that there was a comfort level we yeah. had such a great group when it came to the talk show hosts and that side that if I didn't see you for like a year I know it sounds funny because of the schedules cross and it was just like you'd pick up with an old friend right and and to me in life that means a lot you know what I mean like you, you, you know they're not that we're chums or we're texting all the time but the minute the minute you run into somebody like yourself 
your guard goes down, right? You're in a comfort right. zone. And and I think everybody can appreciate as you move further along in life, Lee, how difficult that honestly is to, to and I'll say it's trust, right? You trust that the other person is, is normal. The person is talking about you or talking the same to you right. as when you're not around. And I think that really means a lot in this world, and especially as we know, well, not even broadcasting, just in life in general. Well, yeah, in any business, right? And, you know, I was going to bring the word trust up as well. You know, yeah. when, when you work so closely with people and we really didn't have that big of a, a group right no that we you end up developing different trust with different people but it's such yeah. a small family that yeah. when you're able to you know connect with those people and i always enjoyed you know i would come in a couple of weeks in the summer and work with yeah. you uh the last few years and I just appreciate so much the the trust and the bond, like you said. Like if you're texting me or you pick up the phone and call, we're doing something like this, and I know, yeah. you know, Ian's gonna hop on, and and whether yeah. it was you know Creech or AJ or Bunda or Jr. or Lloydy or whoever, um, yeah. the immediate, hey, we're out here for uh, a goal that we're gonna work towards together, right? And it didn't mm-hmm. always work mm-hmm. out. You're you're a family, oh, no, and, for sure. You know, for sure, yeah. you, you kind of butt heads sometimes, but you're still yeah. a family and you still yeah. are trying to work towards that goal. And yeah. when you're there for a common goal and you have, you know, you see those people. And I think that's the part. And we talk about yeah. it in sports all the time. You've been through it way yeah. more than me. Yeah. That w- people say when they leave the sport, they don't necessarily miss the sport as much as they do the camaraderie with the people, yeah. because you see those people just as much or more than you do your own family. Yeah, no, and, I agree. And that's what's I, happened. Yeah, and it was also funny too because I, I think much like yourself, I don't want to say shock jock, but you certainly had developed that uh, that <laughs> reputation. And then as we moved along and we became more and more friendly, it became more comedic. Where I think some people took it so darn seriously at times, but I even right. found with the listeners after a while realized that hey, you know what I mean? It, it's fun. You're not Skip Bayless. You're not exactly going into that zone. But sometimes it's just fun once in a while if the person you're working with understands. Hey, I'm going to take the other side here. Going to have a little fun with it. I'm yeah. going to be the bad guy. Yeah. I'm well, going to be in the one that people are going <laughs> to give a hard time to, eh? I felt like I wasn't even like that the last few years, but yeah, you know, I don't think reputa- it was. Yeah. Re- reputations proceed and, <laughs> and you go back to, you know, and yeah. people will say, well, you know, you just said this, or you just said that. It's like, that was eight years ago. Like, what oh, are you I know, about? But, I know, but, but yeah. what, but what you said is so true. And I've always thought this about, and it's why I love the medium. It's why I love getting on here with you. And, you know, we'll yeah. talk about some different issues, but I always thought, you know, when people were listening and they're engaged, if you can give them, you know, one, two, three different angles to oh, maybe yeah. a story yeah. that you're talking about, I could give a rats, you know, what about whether people actually <laughs> liked my opinion or they didn't. Yeah. As long yeah. as they, if you and I were talking, and we gave some different opinions and they said, you know what? Sean is absolutely right here. Well, I don't yeah. have no idea what Lee's talking about, but now they're engaged. Now oh, well, they're, yeah. now they're yeah. with you yeah. with whatever else you're going to say. And they're kind of on team simmer. Yeah. And that's all we really care about that. Yeah. As long as you allow people right to make up their own minds, when you are mm-hmm. offering some educated, different opinions, that's the whole idea of what it, 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 we're trying yeah. to do. I, 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Lee. And the, the neat part was, and this is part of the fun of the business, and, and this even takes it in again, part of Twitter and the difficulty of Twitter is, you know, if you say something like Claude Drew is struggling, I said it one time last year, every time all of a sudden I, I, I praise Claude Drew on Twitter, it's brought up. When you're talking on the radio, it's fun because you can get to the other side of it. What was also a change, and I think people would be surprised at this, mm-hmm. one of the things that was great about working with Ian from two to six is that I would wake up and listen to the station and I would be getting the different opinions and my opinion by the time I was in the morning to let to got to work now all of a sudden you're on at 6 a.m and people are like well have you changed your opinion well yeah there's times when JR and Hammer would hop on and we'd discuss something for four hours and that's exactly what I decided to do and right. I want to tell people that when you work in the National Hockey League or you work in a business if you think your same opinion at 6 a.m or noon to 4 p.m is going to be the same thing then you're probably not going to last in business very long, right? I mean, the whole idea is to kind of be like open-minded of, yeah, you know what? You're kind of right there versus just kind of locked in everything. And, and that is the passion. I wish you told me that in my first five, seven years, Simmer, that yeah. I should have listened to other people. No, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but no, but it right. is it, like, like I say, you're, you're breaking yeah. down so many things and, and you have to, and, and I, I really do at the end of the day. And even when I worked in the NHL to doing radio, it comes with confidence. There's no doubt about it. Like, and and I don't, you know, again, even when I started out and I was a little bit tough on Bobby Ryan as it kind of snowballed. This year when the Sens started, I'm watching this Tarasenko and after some of the scouting reports I'm getting, I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. And I'm watching him in the preseason. I'm like, the wheels are off. This guy's terrible. You know, in the past, you might have stayed with that. You mean, know, being like, man, I, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to fall on my sword here. I've got to stay on exactly what I'm saying. Right. And then as you move along, it's like, hey, listen, things change. You've got to adapt. You've got to look at this. You've got to try to analyze it properly. And at the end of the day, hey, we're talking sports here. That's one of the gifts that we had for many years working at TSN, the ability to go in. And that's not a job. That's a hobby. No. Now we got to find another hobby that's going to pay us, Lee. But hey, <laughs> yeah. at this point, it's still fun to get onto something else and talk. And even for myself, and, I, and I'll ask you, I don't want to go too deep into the personal side. Yeah, uh, but I'll, leave, I'll, leave, yeah. I'll say for the listeners, you know, the first three months for me, I I didn't do much. You know, I felt bad for Mira. This summer was kind of a write-off and I'm not doing anything then kind of clicked in uh, made some changes in some habits there uh, as far as my lifestyle and everything and then all of a sudden the juices started flowing the hockey season got back and I realized hey I got to get back doing a little something because it is part of the routine and I'm sure you felt the same coming towards hockey season and even football for that matter that was a pretty weird well just not a great feeling right you're so used to it being a big part of um, your personal and professional life well, that's it. I kind of disconnected in the summer as much as I yeah. possibly could and, you know, really didn't know other than maybe watching the Red Blacks, other didn't know much about what was going on. But as you said, yeah. when September hits and, and college football, but then the NFL and you know how, how big of a Cowboys guy I am and then training camp starts in hockey, uh, you're right. You kind of get up and, you know, in September I was getting up and kind of going through my morning routine and I was reading and, you know, finally, yeah. At that point, it was like, well, what am I doing this for? Like, I I usually do this for yeah. for a reason, and then I get up and go and I work. But now I'm doing it yeah. just on my own. But yeah, you know, as you said, I think I was actually okay in the first couple of months, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more because just so appreciative, right? Of oh the, yeah, of of the time that I was allowed to be on that station in almost 23 years. You know, I interned there. Incredible. Uh, I, just, I, I, I can't even believe the fact that I was allowed to stay at that station 
for yeah. as long. So there is absolutely no bitterness whatsoever. Now, you know, I'm still sort of involved in trying to get a couple of things going, but I can't until oh, yeah. other things get yeah. resolved. And it, it, I can tell you, it is a little bit frustrating for sure. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I wish I could kind of go full force, but that's not what's happening right now. And that's okay. But, you know, to, to get into that routine, it's still part of, it's still part of what we do. And I just want mm-hmm. to make sure that, that, you know, so thankful to, you know, Jr. and and I don't want to leave anybody out. Like the no, everyone no, who yeah, who was there, yeah. and, and you know, Hammer and Creech and and Lloydy, and you know, it yep. was back to what you were saying before. Um, it was actually Steve Lloyd, and he probably wouldn't remember this. <laughs> I, I was really, really young. Like I was interning. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And it was my job at that point to go and and just stick a microphone in Jacques Martin's face after a game and and ask the first couple of questions in Mm -hmm. the scrum which is he would just come out and that's how they would do the coaches and it was my job to just ask a couple of really easy questions and then get the rest of it on tape and send it Mm -hmm. i was so nervous sean like i when i first started (laughs) i it's like it was because it was my dream coming true and Mm -hmm. I, i was realizing that i was there and I didn't do a very good job at the beginning. And not that I ever, people are like, have you done a good job yet? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm trying, but at the very beginning, I was so nervous and I didn't do a good job. And it was Steve Lloyd that took me aside one day and go, you know what? Every time I talk to you, you know, way more than me and anybody else, what you're talking about. You're not splitting the atom here. Like mm-hmm. this is sports. Let's yeah. let's just have fun with it. And it was that one time that kind of took me and went, yeah, I guess we're, we're not yeah. splitting the atom here, right? Like talking to guys after the game. So it really kind of calmed me down. I was able to to do a little bit better job after that. Yeah. And in a couple of minutes, Ian will end up joining us. But to kind of to, to tie that all together, one of the unique yeah. things for me personally was the National Hockey League is based on performance. And when you perform well, and we performed well in the talk show side, I that's a part of, you know, hey, no regrets. But what was neat, and again, I was so appreciative every day going to work, but the way it was set up on our side, understanding the crap storm that was going on with economics media is that under JR and under the group that we had as far as the talk show, we were still in our own little world now I wasn't living in fantasy world and the day that you get the call it wasn't like a, a it was shocking kind of time wise but it wasn't also one right. of those ones where you know oh my god like I'm the greatest thing of all time and I'm going to do this the rest of my life and I'm making millions yeah. of dollars so that part set up nicely for me where yeah I did appreciate it all the time the relationships the way it developed the way it moved along and then I think I also realized and I think this even working back in the National Hockey League I loved working in the NHL. I loved scouting. I loved mm-hmm. also being a part of a team. One of the things I loved was sitting in the war room and chatting and going through the whole thing. And then the realization I had done that for work for 11 years, 
I realized that like I, I'm not say the mega sports fan. Like I'm not sitting there every night watching sports all the time. But I did have a realization is, and when it comes to the Sens and comes to things overall in the National Hockey League, I am a big fan, and I love absolutely sitting around having that opportunity to talk, to have a dialogue, to have a platform to right. discuss some of the issues and have some fun with it. And that was a nice realization. Was and and again, this this is only an hour every day, doing it for four hours, and basically it's a thousand hours a year for eleven years and you did it for 23 yeah you just realize that you know this is this is a big fabric a big part of your life kind of your identity and like i said it's shifting right now uh, and we'll all work our way back and it's a little start here and that's yeah. what made it so fun today to just have the opportunity to come and have you on and then i thought hey ian's gonna come on next week um, but what would be better than the opportunity of course have him come on with us today and, and just kind of talk some sense talk about the past and just kind of get back into that comfort level and i know a lot of the people out there listening are uh, pretty pumped today uh to have the old trio back together and like i said that is also one of the comforting parts about talking about our previous staff right it's not like you're sitting there and you're hey nothing but awesome and, and they feel the right. same way you know the messages you get from creech and from bunda and jr and hammer and lloydie it's just like hey it's a good group and you never know what the future is going to bring when it comes to this yeah. injury and and that's a neat part for me like it, it may be different now but it's not like it's gone away it's just a question of how is this going to evolve and how is it going to adapt in the future well and i think we'd be a little bit naive right to sit here and think that you know the current medium is just going to go on in infinite time and be the most successful medium in the world i'm not i'm not sure yeah. it is we all have to yeah. evolve and you know maybe yeah. you and i get a bit of a head start on evolving <laughs> maybe we need a bit oh, of a yeah. head start yeah but yeah you know I, I think everyone's doing some different things and i look at you know i've known ian for 20 years and when he was working at sportsnet uh before he ended up coming to TSN. Like we were really good friends and he, yeah. he got to TSN, but you see his journey too, right. Of like, a little bit on television. He was on national television and then he came and he was on radio here in Ottawa. And now he is a journalist and writes and does some podcasts really. like he has done a lot of different things. When I was in the business at the beginning, Mm -hmm. You know, just like you, if you, you were working up the National Hockey League, well, I was doing the same thing. I was on community television doing the 67s. I was, you know, when when AJ or Schreiber wasn't there, I was doing 67s on the road. I remember one of my absolute, I don't know if you know this, one of my absolute big breaks was that I was producing the afternoon show. And in 0405, the lockout, you know, they had Dean Brown and Gord Wilson come in and host the drive show. And, you know, for those guys, they were coming in knowing, okay, we're going to host the drive show for a year. There's no hockey. We're going to have some fun. Mm -hmm. And we know in a year we're going to go back to broadcasting hockey. So this isn't our necessarily our lifelong dream. But at that point, I was producing. I was also the voice of the 67s on television who made this magical run to the Memorial Cup. The one with Sidney Crosby there and the greatest mm -hmm. London Knights team of all time. And I knew that team inside and out. And with no NHL, we talked a lot about the mm -hmm. Ottawa 67s and their crazy run. And that's where I kind of got, you know, to the next level of, I had a nighttime show with Scott MacArthur a couple of days a week, but being on every single day with those two guys and those guys letting me be on with them at that mm -hmm. time and, and making sure that they, they brought me along was another one of my, you know, big breaks back then to be able to be on every day and then through you know a lot of different things about working with 
you know, Glenn Kolka, the Kolkster and <laughs> Phil Melanson and Glenn, but Glenn Kolka came in and you know what? I, I, I love that man. That man yeah. was not the greatest broadcaster you've ever heard. <laughs> he, he just wasn't. And I think he would be the first to say that, but they also thrust him in a position. It would be like you, Sean, the first day that you were there. Oh, you're a, you know, former assistant GM. You worked in national hockey. League. Okay. We're going to give you your own show. and You're going to be the host and there's going to be no one else in the studio with you, but we'll give you this producer over on the side, but it's your show and you just talk, go like, that's what happened to Glenn Kolka. And I was the other person on the other side mm-hmm. of the glass, trying to, trying to do everything and work with them at the same time. And uh, that was a real education for me as well. And, and Phil Melanson and all the things that have happened. But um, uh, when you came in and then like, I don't know, I don't know how many people know this, know this story, but I don't even know if you know this story, to be honest with you, I better say it before Ian comes on. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that, you know, I, I was working in different, like I had the midday show and then I was kind of taken off of it and they did some other things. They went to some different programming and, you know, at that point, oh boy, I was just going to get to the story to literally <laughs> yeah, like, like go. throw him under the bus. But, right. but th- th- this is actually serious. and It's a nice segue into him coming in because we can talk about our time. Ian was one of my very, very good friends, but at the time I was told in not so many words that I would be the new host of the drive show and probably with you, Sean. And, yeah. and then I kind of got a knock on the door like a week before <laughs> saying, um, there's this other guy. He, he kind of, he's, he's going to move from a different spot. He's on TV and he's going to come into radio and really don't, it's that, that's his spot. So you're going to have to take a back seat. And, and that was Ian Mendez. And then it was you and Sean, it was you and Ian, hosting the show and i'm so grateful because I, I was a little disappointed but knowing that one of my good friends was coming in and that i was going to be on the 2020 desk it wasn't like oh i can't wait to do this but it was both of you at that time that mm-hmm. ended up kind of saying hey look let's let's do this as a as a group and completely included me in that mm-hmm. which again helped me you know elevate so I, i'm i'm very very thankful it's the nicest thing i'm going to say now that our next guest is here yeah, and of course, uh, well, no, they can't actually hear him. They can see him if they're watching on YouTube right now. Of course, mm. we welcome Ian Mendes. And as I said to Lee as we came in, you know, a complete understanding, uh, which is a really nice feeling for me. Uh, you guys are on my show now. So. <laughs> yeah. We're, no, Sean, again, so. <laughs> we're thankful that you're leading it, and we get oh. to answer your questions. Hey, yeah. hey and I was, I was actually real nice. <laughs> Ian had sent me a nice message on Monday because, you know, again, I, I, I've talked about that, and that was one of the things in wanting to do a show I didn't want to come on. I, I don't have the capability to do it by myself, especially to talk for an hour and then you get into guests and everything else. It is. And and people are always, it's like talking play by play or color, right? Ian, like people don't have an appreciation for, and in my estimation, you know, I show up, you just blab for hours when you're hosting a show and you're putting together, and we used to have a lot of fun with that, but putting together the itinerary and, <laughs> but just as far as the ins and outs of a show, right? It's a lot easier to be the person like myself that just shows up and just blabs for four hours. Are, are, are you through actually Ian's first document that he sent you? That was yeah. probably eight you pages guys, long. You guys hated it. I was the Guy Boucher <laughs> of crap. Like yeah. I would, I would over prepare. I know you guys. Is that a good? It analogy? was actually. I'd rather. I'd rather see the and 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 the late great, but I'd rather see the the poor look on Abster's face on having to pull clips. So, and then and then if I was if you're an honest coworker though, the fact that you'd only use three of the clips in four hours, that's the part of. If he was a good, if you're a good producer, you'd pretend that you had the clips because we'd never. It was always. But and, and you know what? I do a little board here and I write it down, and it's hey, it's an hour. It's nothing. 
But one of the funny things is, and it, it, we've always said this, Ian, you know, you get through just a fraction. I think JR is the same way. Like he's got a stack yeah. of notes. And I guess that's just with, hey, if you're prepared, or, or, you know, you'd much rather have that idea that, my God, I know I'll never get through this. But that's a hell of a lot better than looking around wondering what you're going to talk about. I know, but for Lee and I, this is amazing because we would always joke with you. Yeah, that, you yeah. know what, Simmer? We're, like, you know, we're 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 stuck in traffic, or we're in the bathroom, <laughs> or we're in a meeting, and you got to take this out of commercial break. So oh, this I is yeah. amazing. Uh, yeah. But I, and I sent you a note because I've I've been able to listen to uh, to a couple of your pods this week. Mm-hmm. I am truly impressed by your ability. Like like five <laughs> or six years ago, I'm and I'm being serious here. I yeah. don't think you could have done this. I don't. Yeah. But you sound really comfortable and confident like even opening the show you say, i'm like yeah. wow this yeah. guy this guy sounds like he knows what he's doing well i appreciate that but as i said as well it, it, it people that are inside of a studio and you're trying to load clips and you come in and you start all of a sudden talking about the weather you're talking about traffic you're mixing ins and outs and it is different but yeah it, it's funny the little hurdles now this is almost like a little bit of a situation you want to teach your kids how to swim at some point you maybe you just dump them in the lake or you push them off the diving board uh, let's also be honest here <laughs> there is no choice <laughs> there is no sitting back and wondering and i was just saying before you came on uh ian you know one of the things for myself and very fortunate for the sick podcast group for tony marinero to reach out it is just getting back and getting into a routine right i wake up at nine get my coffee going you get prepped uh you're following the sends you're doing it hey i don't care who you are in life it is nice to have a routine and how has your routine been how has this been you know obviously with the athletic um boy oh boy they've got you incredibly involved in every facet of the auto centers yeah, no, my, my job's actually pretty easy. I, all I do is I copy and paste articles from November of 2021 <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I put them in now a, and, yeah. you know, no, no, nobody knows. So it's a couple names, yeah. Yeah. Well, you need just, you need uh, that software, yeah. Ian, that's not able to identify any plagiarism. Well, is it, well technically, right. it's not plagiarism if it's your own article, it's right? It's my own article. <laughs> I can't, I can't and by the way, is that is that definitely Lever Sage or is it the Phantom of the Opera? Because Well, that's what I was wondering, and I don't know if he's... Yeah, I don't know if he's in the uh, Hanu Hill, if he's in the Hilton in Hanoi, or if he's in prison. But yeah, Ooh, we wow. certainly the the lighting is uh, very strong to one side of your face there. Hey, right? yeah, yeah, it's my good side, Simmer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't I don't have that many good sides. And 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 what is that? Is the T-shirt customized, or is that for the brand yeah. of Lee Jeans? No, that's the Lee jeans, but I made sure that I wore it here just for you, just in case people forgot who I was, Simmer. Oh, I was actually praying, and, and I'm disappointed I threw it out. I was hoping you were going to wear the Taylor Swift shirt, because that oh, was yeah. something we decided a few years ago. And then could you imagine the relevance of that, Lee, right there? I tossed that bad boy out when we were making a statement back in the day. Oh, so so, I, I so I, that day, by the way. I, and me, the biggest Swifty out of the group, <laughs> wasn't there the day that they they handed out the, the Taylor Swift T-shirt. Yeah, there was just actually the there was just a, there, no there there was just a pile of them in, and I yeah. and I thought it would be I don't even know much about Taylor Swift. I thought it'd be funny, and I think we gave yeah. one to Maddie, one to Creech, and yeah. you know you just have None a little. Fun I was with just gonna say if you need one, actually, I think Creech and Connors Vita have about four of them. They they just yeah. like yeah. completely grabbed all of them and and left. So yeah, yeah, Maddie probably sold them on the side as well. Right? <laughs> <laughs> probably put them up on ebay signed by taylor swift all right let's get serious now we want to get serious talk some yeah. sense the hell's going on first of all i'll ask you ian one of the things that clued into me and and it's always you're going through everything that's being read about uh i'll ask you the very serious question you did the article i think in the summertime and one of the things that DJ Smith talked about was this year's going to be different. He's going to coach these guys differently. And and as soon as I heard that, it resonated of, 
Are you seeing anything different? Have we seen any accountability or is there anything different with the Ottawa Senators versus what we've seen the previous four years, five years? You know, yeah, no. And it's, it's a great point. And I had a chance to talk to DJ both in Budapest and mm -hmm. in Nashville. I think I'm the first guy ever to interview a, an NHL coach in Budapest, oh, and that and that just sounds good, though. You don't yeah, even you don't even need a good article. You're doing Budapest and Nashville. That's Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I haven't heard you, you know, bring that up in a few a few months. Sean. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that was the, that that's your yeah. show. And yeah, you know, and you're right. But okay, let's go to the the game that uh, they just played on Thursday. Yeah. And yeah. let's very quickly look at who turned the puck over. Okay, second goal was Tim Stutzla. Mm -hmm. Third goal was Vladi Tarasenko. Fourth goal was uh, Drake Batherson, right? All yeah. kind yep. of, we'll call it puck management, soft plays. So there's two schools of thought here, right? One, you could go down the, like what the Flames did to Jonathan Huberto the other night and what, what Columbus has done to uh, Goudreau, which is you just staple the guy to the bench. And yeah. But but at the same time, and, and Simmer, you would know this, there's a mm -hmm. tremendous amount of pressure on DJ Smith to win. Mm -hmm. And how are you going to win? You're going to win with Timmy Stutzla, Drake Batherson, and Vlad Tarasenko, right? So mm -hmm. I don't – where's the line there? That's what I'm – The line was a year and a half ago with these guys, Ian, that when Drake mm -hmm. Batherson last year was like minus 100 mm -hmm. with Alex Dabrinkit <laughs> and he never sat him down one time, like that, that is the line. He can't do it anymore. But he, he should have done it last year and the year before with these young guys going, look, this is not because I don't think that you're good, but you can't do this consistently in the defensive end. And these yeah. guys still, I watched Drake Batherson simmer. I, oh. I, I, I literally oh. think he has no idea how to play in his own end. And I'm not trying to be super critical. Oh, no, but, no, 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 he, no. Lately, you could. He should no, be. Yeah. He should be much better in his own end. And sometimes he actually gets there. And yeah. then looks around going, what do I do? Like, oh, nobody's told yeah. them what to do. Yeah. And, and like, let's, I, I don't let's, know where the line is. No, hey, you deal with some guys. And we I use that term playing properly for years, guys. You talk about hockey sense. Drake Batherson is a highly mobile player. Uh, although his size on the ice, I wouldn't say he's a monster, but physically he's capable. He has hockey sense. Okay, what is that? That's teaching. And at the same time, it's accountability and hard work. There's none of that in place. And it does make you wonder. And one of the clips from last year, guys, the Florida game in Florida was one of those great ones earlier in the year when he's cruising back into his own zone just in la-la land. And I don't know how many times he is facing the puck, facing the play, not looking around and to that. And what you talk about, Ian, is so true. And this is part of what a usual new coach comes in, right? You end up having, for Tim Stutzel, say a Claude Julien, what do you do with a guy, uh, you know, when he ended up with Tyler Sagan? Wouldn't play him at center, had to play him at wing. There's no doubt, guys, it's a process. And the point last year was, okay, you got top six forwards, you have no choice. Do you remember when Joseph came back? That was the first time that Drake Batherson moved down to a third line. But the problem was Joseph was so dar god darn bad last year, you couldn't do anything. But I don't know about the Drake Batherson one. Stutzel, I understand. Kachuk, you kind of hitched your wagon. These are good players. Vladdy Tarasenko has come in and played pretty well. As to what the rationale is, allowing Drake Batherson to have the habits of being so soft, doing everything he's doing, guys, that one blows my mind a little bit because I still look at the way Tarasenko played in Toronto, and I would think, Ian, that's a simple one. Like, sitting Drake Batherson right now, and this is the other part, too. It's not like a Claude Drew or a Brady Kachuk or Stutz or some of the other players, a, a Chikrin, aren't aware and aren't also kind of looking around and saying, hey, when are there going to be some checks and balances here? Now, you could also look at yourself and ask that, Ian, but I just still still think that Batherson would be the absolute poster boy and still at this point would be a pretty simple way to send a message. Quite simply, send him down or sit him out and play Tarasenko in that spot.
you know what's interesting when you, you bring up Chikrin's name? And I don't know, like, you know, because I'm fortunate enough, I'm in the room talking to the players. So I don't know how this comes across, either if you just hear the clip or you watch the video. Jacob Chikrin was like a different kind of angry last night. Like, mm -hmm. like, like he was seething. And and he he very much strikes me a lot like Claude Giroux. Like they they are tightly wound guys. I'm not saying tightly wound in a bad way. I'm saying no, no, God, they no. have the tolerance for tomfoolery is like it's there. <laughs> and you're talking about these are guys who think about it though. One guy came from Arizona, the other guy came from Philadelphia. So it's yeah. not like they came from these stable places. And but you could see it like at some point. I think the accountability has to come from within the room. Like we we can yell at each other about DJ Smith this and and Jack Capuano that. Okay, fine. And there is a conversation to be had there. But at some point, those guys in the room, and maybe it's Jake Chikrin and maybe it's Claude Giroux and you know whoever else feels like they have the currency to stand up in the room right now. Because there's not mm -hmm. not everybody can stand up in that room right now. And that's going to be the issue. Like like how many guys would you say right now on this team? are playing up to the level that you would say, you know what, they're playing to their expectations. Matthew Joseph, Oof. Yeah. Jacob yeah. Chikrin. Yeah. Um, I mean. I think Jake Sanderson. Sanderson uh, oh, Jake Sanderson, well. yeah. yeah. But, but I know what you're saying, Ian. We don't have the yeah. list right in front of us. But that that's a normal thing that you go through. But what's also, I guess, perplexing for Sens fans, and this is also part of expectations, Lee, it's yeah. not like when and point totals aren't ever through aren't everything, but you're also kind of running through the group, and you have been fairly productive on it. So I agree with what you're saying, Ian, in that sense of for Jake Chikrin, he's a man's man. His accountability comes from his character and his family. He doesn't have to come out of a great situation in Arizona. And let's face fact, Claude Giroux played on some very good Philadelphia teams. The part though, Lee, and is really difficult to what Ian is saying. And in the back of my mind, I think back to my days of when you're around, like who would sit down with certain players. And I'm thinking about Dave Poulin. And I'm not talking Dave Poulin, a player. I'm talking about right now, in a room of players, unless you're in that room, I don't know if, if Chickren's comfortable to sit with Drake Batherson. I don't know if other players, for right now, Stutzel and Kachuk can't do it because they don't play properly. Then I look to myself and say, Steos, Alfie. Well, in a perfect world, you'd have somebody like Alfie, but is Alfie comfortable with that? And this kind of speaks to Lee this crazy situation that has now happened with Pierre Dorian gone and Pierre Dorian sure as hell wasn't that guy, but I think everybody's looking around. You kind of have a general manager. You kind of have Alfie here. You kind of have some leadership. You have a coach that's kind of co save his job. Yeah. I do wonder where the accountability is and it's really not filtered properly right now, Lee. It's nicely done here by Simmer, eh, Ian, about how, you know, he'll say something and then Ian, I think, and, he, and he's leading the discussion. It's fantastic. He's, he's, um, a, he's a toast. That's hey, I, you know what? One of the, one of the things I watched Larry King for years. Now I'm not going to go suspenders. Oh, now, I one of the things. He, <laughs> one of the things he used to do when I was at the Cap Center, and I sat next to him a couple of times. He farted all the time during the games, and I I'd always look at the strength coach. Yeah, we'd sit next to him, and and Frank Costello would be like, "Did did, did Larry just fart?" <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I think he had a bit of this pose. So I'm anyway. Anyways, that's that's uh, that's all the learning I had from Jr. and Ian. It's the segue. I'm I'm teeing you up, right. Lee. Yeah. So let's hear yeah. it. Okay. Let's hear it. So so what you're talking about right now, I think you're onto something a little bit. The yeah. problem is Simmer is like Jake Chikrin is coming. He's one of the most competitive people I think you've seen in a while. I don't care that he played in Arizona or anywhere else. No, he's a competitive guy. And so Claude Giroux, what what does everyone say? Yeah, he played in Philadelphia. But he also was with Gatineau and, you know, like his whole being is how competitive he is. So 
when we talk about accountability, and I say that it should have happened a year or two ago when DJ Smith could have sat some other guys down, I don't know that if DJ Smith isn't doing it, you can have the guys in the room. Like, even if Jake Chikrin or Claude Drew were comfortable enough to pull Drake Batherson, and I'm, I, I hate to keep harping on him, but yeah. to pull him aside and go, okay, well, this either has to change or else. And he goes, well, what's the or else? Because DJ Smith is going to continue to play him. <laughs> That's where, to me, I'm not saying DJ doesn't have the capability of turning this around, but I do think it's time to change the coach because a new coach coming in not only kind of sets his own parameters, but he probably lets the room be the room. And if Jake Chickren or Claude Giroux wanted to talk to Drake Batherson and said, enough is enough, you're not doing this anymore, then they can talk to the coach about not playing the guy or not or sitting people down when they make mistakes like Tim Stutzler did last night. And I know that Stutzler's not going to sit forever, but that was a terrible, terrible decision down one, nothing at home to a really, really good Vancouver Canucks team. That goal put them behind the eight ball last night. And he tried to backhand sauce a pass in his own end when he had a clear, <laughs> a clear chance to just clear the puck. And I get Tim Stutzler. He's amazing. I'm not saying sit him down for three weeks. But to sit him down for a shift or two after what he did last night? Come on. Like, But with a new coach, I think you can set a complete new environment in that room and allow some of the other guys. Because I, I do feel right now like it's a there's DJ Smith and there's Brady and there's Tim and Ian. I'm sure that you can talk about this a little bit more being in the room. That there's certain guys that are the coach's guys. And it's not a click, but there is a group. That are DJ's guys. And if you're not one of DJ's guys right now, how are you going to talk to the other guys to tell them how to play properly? Yeah. And by the way, can we just take a moment to appreciate that that you told Simmer that he did a great job on a segue and he just <laughs> dropped like a flatulent Larry King anecdote in there? Like, yeah. And we kept hey, going and we didn't stick on it forever. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, my show, my way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. But okay. So yeah. I'd love to ask. I know it's your show, but I, I do actually want to pick both of your brains on something. God, here. Yeah. So, like for you guys. They got three games now between like now and the end of the Sweden trip, right? They got they got Calgary and then they got Detroit and Minnesota. What's like where do you see this at the end of next week? At the end of Sweden, mm -hmm. what is the scenario in which you think you guys aren't good like that we're all not like do they have to run the table to quiet things down? Is is yeah, anything yes. less of three for three? Like if they go two and one, is that quieting anybody down? I don't nope. think it quiets it down, guys. I think it goes a bit quiet because I think we can only kind of be on this pedal for so long, Lee, of, of saying this. Here's a few things, and this is, again, part of the DJ Smith. Can DJ Smith do this at the next stop? It's a possibility. Has he learned from his time here in Ottawa? Absolutely. Do I look at him as that type of coach that can make those corrections? Well, I would ask, and this is part of what you just pointed out, Lee, if I need to do that to Tim Stutz at this point in his career during a game, I got a real problem here. That should be taught. That should be talked about. should be way out of his game. I would look at, and I can't understand, and I don't know Jack Capion and Davis Payne that well. DJ Smith's a likable guy. He's a barker. He's a talker. I look at Craig Berube as technicians around him. You better have the technicians around to support. If that's not going to be my strength to be a technical coach, who's around me to make things better? That ship has sailed on DJ Smith. He can't get it done at this stop because I don't see any checks and balances to it. I don't see where any teaching goes on. And the player that we're not talking about, and this is where you're starting to see a shift of Tim Suits ahead into that territory, 
territory, all the terrible habits that Thomas Shabbat has brought on the last couple of years that have not been corrected have now gone to a point. Now, this is a positive for the Ottawa Senators. He's now third in your pecking order as far as offensive defensemen. He's going to be making $10 million next year, and he can't defend. He's playing as offside. So this is part of, and the example last night, guys, two examples that we see in the National Hockey League. Tell me that the LA Kings are some of their parts, and look at the stats between Talbot and, and between Corpusallo. Like, you look at that, and you say to yourself, come on. And when you watch Rick Tockett roll in yesterday, the difference yeah. that he made with Bruce Boudreau compared to now, and then you see where the Ottawa Senators are at. And here's an example. And this is where good coaching, that JT Miller situation, Ian, you're very close to the Vancouver market. Was that not going to be the next Elias Pettersson? An absolute gong show of, first yeah. of all, terrible contract, American guy that doesn't want to be there, Bo Horvat being forced out of town. Now what are you talking about? You're talking about JT Miller with a laser last night, the team playing properly. These are also the financial considerations of your coaching assets. And I know this is tough for Ann Lauer and how they've kind of come in, uh, Lee, and it was great to bring in Steos, but let's not kid ourselves with Steos. He was actually coming into apprentice under Pierre Dorian, figure out what he needed to do, probably fire him and then fire the coach. Now he's sitting there as the one in charge, and the hell does he have to draw on? Who's his actual sounding board right now other than Alfie? Who Alfie, sure, he was a real good player, but has no experience either. So I don't think that that is going to happen. And to the temperature, Ian, as far as the three games, if you ran the table, because to me, the division, I'll give Boston for the way they're playing defensively, but would you not also agree, Lee, the nice part is from seeing Tampa to seeing Toronto, watching the other teams in the division, this bloody thing is wide open. And if you did win the next three, then you can at least start kidding yourself that, wow, we're in the race. Because I think I think the division, guys, is up for grabs. Well, I do, but I also look at teams like Toronto, like Tampa, who have been there, done it before, and are going to get better as the season goes along. Like yeah. Joseph Wall the other night couldn't stop a beach ball. And I, oh, like, for sure, for he, sure. Yeah. he's terrible. And the Leafs have a, a tough time defending right now. But to me, you ask yourself in two months, are the Leafs going to be better than what they are right now? And I say yes, because of their previous experience. I would mm. say the same for Tampa. Do I have any idea what Ottawa is going to be in two months? Like, are they going to be better? Are they going to not be? I have no idea. So, Ian, to answer your question, I don't even think two and one quiets this. If they ran the table, maybe. But I'm still of the opinion of I might actually do this. And I know this is a little crazy. I, I might do it before Sweden so that I could get a new coach in there to just spend some time and maybe get away from some of the, the everyday media uh, uh, you're going right Ian. So yeah. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be hounding them in Stockholm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> I, but it's not going to be the same. And when you get home, then you have what five days in between games yep. uh, until the next game where Maybe you give a new guy a little bit of a voice just to get to know some of the people over the Sweden trip. And then you give them five days to put some things in order when they get back on the ice. If they don't do something soon, like this is, I hate having this discussion because it's like every year for the last six years, they're five and seven. They've lost five in a row at home. It's November. They've had a home heavy schedule. They have not played anybody that's really been that good. I think if you ask who are the top five teams in the National Hockey League, have they played one of them? I, I, I don't know. I don't put I, and I don't put Vancouver there. I might I might put LA there maybe, but yeah. but but that's a stretch. Okay, yeah. but my point is is the 12 games You've lost five in a row at home. You've you're five and seven. You had a home heavy schedule, and you haven't really played the who's who of the National Hockey League. When do you think that this is suddenly going to get better? 
And if you, and you haven't it's played the Stanley Cup favorites in the Edmonton Oilers, like oh, when they yeah. roll in. <laughs> would you guys not right now? Would you yeah. like how much morbid curiosity because there was some for last night in San Jose Edmonton? What would yeah. your curiosity level be if instead of Calgary on Saturday, it was the other Alberta team? Oh, coming wow. In? wow. Like, wow. wouldn't yeah. that have been yeah. like just oh. fascinating? Like, oh. yeah. Yeah. And Calgary's I, got some pressure on them too. Let's not let's not kid yeah. ourselves. But but both but, 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 but both of you ask yourself both of yeah. you ask yourself about the Oilers. As of yesterday, that team was fifty five percent to make the playoffs, even with the start that they've had. The odds mm-hmm. say that. Would you like right now, Ian Sean? Are the Oilers making the playoffs? I'm not betting any money on it, Lee. Uh, I would say as far as a team that can score themselves out of it and do some things, I'm not completely. But, hey, they don't have any goaltending. Jack Campbell allowed four goals on 20 shots in the Americans last night. That ship from 2022, if you followed his Leafs stats to where he is, he is what he is. So unless Skinner turns it around, I'm not laying any money. But back to your original question, Ian, I'll ask this. And this is the trick in the game that we've been playing with ourselves for years. Part of us, we do it because we're following it every day. Isn't this the exact same thing, though, of can they get on a little run? Your point of winning three in a row. Are we not at the spot if you wanted to take them seriously based on the – because last night was a game where they worked hard enough. And in my estimation, if they played properly like Vancouver, like L.A. or maybe even Vancouver, they probably would have won the game. Do they not have to, at this point under DJ Smith, run off six or seven in a row before we even start to talk and say, hey, let's take this seriously? Because what it does set itself up for is – You'll get some teams on a night. Toronto's not very good. Their defense isn't very good. But you're generally going to get an opponent that you're able to squeak by. But when you have to play properly, there's nothing in the Ottawa Senators that says they're going to be able to run the tables here for a couple of weeks. Would you not agree, Ian? Yeah. Remember how, and and you and I were together, Simmer, before that Hamburglar run. Oh, Jesus. And and you you remember how we felt about the team? We're like, well, forget oh. it. And and they were it, they were it, going west, and we were like, I remember you saying to me, "What are we going to talk about?" Yeah. They were they were heading they're heading west, west, and we were like, by the time they get back from that trip, we won't be able to talk about the Sens anymore. Lee, did you do post game on that trip? Yes, uh, on the West Coast trip yep. when they went to Anaheim, LA, and San Jose. And, it was crazy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. And as they went along, people. Or like, well, it's still not going to like the the doubt was oh, like yeah. still here, and then as that trip went along, and where'd they go? They went to Winnipeg. I know they went to Minnesota. Minnesota. Well, no, they they won in, they won in Minnesota, which was wild. But the other one was Craig Anderson was supposed to start in Winnipeg. Right. He all of a sudden, Donnie Brennan's all over me. Had the blocker, the hand injury. The Hamburger came in and won that game, and that was when I started at least think, well, at least this is going to be some fun as they return home. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right. I think the Winnipeg game is when I I started to actually take it yeah. seriously, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that 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 maybe. But but you're right. Like the only thing that they could do right now is they would have to win these three games. Then they come back. I think they have a, a week off almost or six days. Then I yeah. think they have like the. But and again, look at the schedule. Like Lee says, Lee brings up a great point. Always look at the teams you're playing. <laughs> it's 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 <laughs> winnable games against Calgary. Uh, Minnesota, Detroit. Then I think it's the Islanders, and then after that, there's like a game against Columbus. Like, like this right. is not a murderer's row of opponents at mm-hmm. all. 
yeah, no, that's no, a good I, point. Like, no, and, and this is, I guess, I kind of asked big picture guys. Again, I think it came out the other day. It was in November 4th. That was the first inkling we had that a team was going to be for sale. I know that Nan Lauer is a mega hockey fan. He owned part of Montreal. You can't tell me for the last year he hasn't been following the Ottawa Senators. Have some idea. Steve mm-hmm. Steos, I brought up his name last November. And when he's coaching or working in junior, then goes to Edmonton. Or sorry, he would have been in Edmonton. You can't tell me he wasn't looking at this. And that's, I guess, part of what would be scary for a Sens fan is I think their thought was, and if people take this approach, I'm not a fan of it. I would have basically came in and said, listen, I know what's been going on here. We need to affect some change. But then you have this crazy circumstance with Pierre Dorian where suddenly he's gone. And whatever you want to say about Pierre Dorian, guys, he worked 16 years in the front office of the National Hockey League. Steve Steos has come in after apprenticing kind of in Edmonton. I don't even know if he lived there. And you all of a sudden are looking around. And I speak from experience. And I'll ask you first, Ian, when you're sitting there for with Steos, are you not looking around? And people are using the excuse, well, shouldn't you hire the GM first and then bring in a coach? Well, first of all, I think he's a fan of DJ Smith. And quite simply, he's the boss. Like, I don't understand. Like, like to me, this is a little bit of the vacillation and some of the excuses where I don't think, well, they weren't prepared for this, right? Not in their wildest dreams that they think Pierre Dorian will be gone by now. No, and sounds to me like somebody who's previously interviewed for a hockey ops position with the Senators <laughs> sure seems to be pining uh, for a job. I, I'll never yeah. forget that Lee because uh, I'm too critical, too critical and real though. They wouldn't like that. But I remember the time you actually broke that news to me on the air. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. No, but nobody, nobody wants to break my news, so I had to do it myself. <laughs> it was unbelievable, like, Lee. Like yeah. uh, we were talking about, oh, the Senators are bringing in, uh, you know, potentially somebody as an assistant GM and. And and Simmer on the air was like, yeah, I, I hear they're interviewing some really good candidates. And oh no, I said only only so, the brightest and the best. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I it was. Couldn't yeah. go, I couldn't go. I couldn't go beautiful at that point. I just said yeah. brightest and best. Yeah, brightest <laughs> and the best. And then I think he yeah. said something along the lines of like, yeah. you know. Anyway, and it was yeah. you broke it to me right on on the air. But I think you're right. Like like Steve Steos is. And and by the way, everything I've learned about Steve Steos and Mike Andlauer, like they seem like they're super practical, patient, methodical people. And I'm going to make one argument here. That's exactly what we need big picture here in Ottawa. Like I I think the previous regime, I don't think those are words you would use. Stable, calm, all of those. Those aren't the adjectives. You you don't think so? Really? No, I don't. I did this (laughs) just thinking out loud here. And every time that every time the previous regime comes up, all I can think of Donald Trump press conferences, and I'm so back glad he's back in the news cycle because part of you misses it. But no, I, I agree with what you're saying, Ian. This is finally back to, to, to somewhat normal. But the irony I see is there's a little bit of a disconnect. I think the fans are screaming simultaneously for like immediate change yeah. and long-term yeah. stability. And it's a right. weird, it's a weird that we're living in a very weird little window, is all I'm saying. And I'm I'm just super appreciative of the fans right now because while this is new to Mike Ann Lauer and Steve Steos, it's old hat to you if you're an Ottawa fan. It is. And and I understand that level of exhaustion. So to the one point that you made there, Ian, about the long-term stability of the team, there's no question that I think, you know, the fans want that. But because of what they've been through so far, and I'll go back to the Ottawa Red Blacks when Sean Burke came in. And Sean Burke came in and said, look, I keep hearing all these things, but I want to get to know the organization for myself. So I want to, I want to know about, and it took him a long time to get to Paul Lapolis and the fire of Paul Lapolis. 
Yeah, it's been really good so far. <laughs> yeah, no, Timber's just waiting. The whole point, though, but yeah. the whole point, though, was that it was wrong with Paul Apolis from the beginning, and he should oh. have done it earlier. And the yeah. fact that it took him a long time to do it, I get it. He wanted to be patient. He wanted to to have some stability and then bring in the right guys. But if you don't bring in the right guys after you've waited all that time, mm-hmm. look what's happened to the Red Blacks now, right? Yeah. There's still nothing has changed. And so I, I know you want long-term stability, but to me, the fans are not going to get off of this fire DJ thing. They're not going to move off of it until unless they win eight, nine, ten in a row which I don't, I have no confidence that this group could ever do that. So, and, and you I guys, and I, to- I, yeah, great point, Lee. And, and here's the thing, and we have fun with the Cowboys, but this is amazing how when you look at different things, and I was just watching the game the one week, and they talked about the offensive coordinator getting fired from the Cowboys, right? Mm-hmm. Going on to the other team, and the head coach is like, well, I'm upset that they're scoring so much because we want to be on the field more. My point is when the hirings and firings, and this is where I'll go Red Blacks. That day, and I I don't know the inner workings, but when Coach Campbell, first of all, walked out and the management wasn't even aware of it, what has happened as a domino effect with the Ottawa Red Blacks have never been recovered from. First of all, Coach Campbell has gone somewhere and been successfully, and you know more than I, but you had to play out with Marcel Desjardins. Then you had to have Lapo come in. Then the general manager had to inherit Lapo. What's happening with Ottawa, unfortunately, and trying to create stability and is kind of the same domino effect. You've rolled in with a new ownership group, which is great. Timing wasn't great. You brought in Steve Steos, who has no, no experience. Now you're kind of sitting around, and here's the thing I'll ask you, Ian, as a simple question. I don't want to see anybody get fired. In the case of DJ Smith, is he going to, in my estimation, get you to the playoffs? No. Is he going to? Well, if you're not to the playoffs, you're not going to win. No. Is DJ Smith going to cost you at the gate? And as far as fans and business going forward, absolutely is. What is the downside? And people will say, well, you don't want to rush it. Well, I don't know. I'm not saying to hire Jack Capuan or do anything internally, bring up Bell from, from, but if Claude Julian's out there, and even if it costs you a little, you just spent 950 million US dollars on the Canadian hockey team. If you got to go out and pay three, four, five million bucks for coaching, is that not a smart business move? And that's where the disconnect and all of a sudden, and maybe this is back to part of the ownership group being Oshawa, part of Steos working in the OHL. Maybe they like DJ Smith, but I look at it from that standpoint, Ian, and I, I just think it's absolutely, what is that, pound foolish, dollar, whatever, you you know what I mean? Like from a business standpoint, you're not helping yourself by t- keeping DJ Smith around. It is as simple as that, and it's only just begun. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy, I feel like there should be a Carpenter's I know, I've been doing that. I've been doing that all week. I've been doing that one all week. Oh, I love it. Yeah, um, but do you know what I mean, way, Ian? Like that, that's, a, yeah. Yeah. You guys, I, I I was specifically told there'd be no CFL talk, so I'm a little bit disappointed yeah. to come in. Well, we have not, to mix not, in wrestling. No, no, no. There have been a lot of people wrestling. asking about the wrestling. Oh, thanks. thanks for asking, <laughs> Sean. No. You know what? Yeah. The, the only scenario, and, and, and okay, and actually, Simmer, you would you would have a better answer uh, to this than Lee and I, and yeah. I see some people saying you don't want to hire a head coach until you get your general manager sorted, and the only thing I'll say to that is I remember, and, and, and I, I know using Edmonton is not a great example right now. I know yeah. that. But a few years ago, remember, it was going off the rails with Todd McClellan like in November. And they're like, you know what? We got to just get him out. We'll bring Ken Hitchcock in for the rest of the year. It wasn't mm-hmm. a multi-year deal. It was just, let's write out the year. We're not attached to him. He's not married to us. That's the only scenario. But my question is, without a general manager firmly in place, mm-hmm. Is that a, an obstacle in your mind 
to hiring a head coach right now. No, no, it's just a complete excuse because this whole thing and this this job that's been created for a long time, it was a general manager. And most people, and when I worked for David Poyle, I'll say, or John Ferguson, whoever it ended up being, Ian, you were the president and general manager. You're the general manager, then you have the assistant general manager, then you have the coach. In essence, this job that's been created with this president hockey operation, you're just basically a glorified general manager. What it turns around is you don't have to do as much of the heavy lifting. You were in charge. We're not talking, I'm not asking Sir Leader to go out and interview the coach. You know what I mean? Okay, I understand that. Like, you know, Bob Nicholson is a hockey man, highly involved. In this case, it is an excuse. If the general manager, and again, I don't liken it to the Red Blacks because I'm not talking about Mark Gowdy hiring a coach and then the general manager coming in. Steve Stales is a hockey guy. He's come in. His job, if right now he needs to make a coaching change, you make it, and then you come in and work as a group. And I'd have to think, Ian, most people, like unless you hire, you know, the most ridiculous choice or it turns into a complete gong show, I'm not saying that the general manager is going to be accepting of it, but I think he'd look at it and say, hey, I logically understand why you've done this. Now let's get to work as a team. So I just think, Lee, it's a major, major excuse right now. So so let's put this... I'll go in. You don't want to talk CFL, so I'll go another sport, <laughs> and I'll go NBA. Do you think Masai Ujiri cared, like, if Bobby Webster was <laughs> there as the general manager before they were going to hire Nick yeah. Nurse or hire whoever they were going to hire as, as their yeah. coach? No, like, and I'm not saying that the role is exactly what Bobby Webster's would be, you know, for the Raptors as the general manager. But as Sean said, Masai's the boss. So you have a boss now, and let's just say I know some of the names that are out there for for me. I look at Matthew Darsh in, in Tampa and I go, you know, a bright mind, no baggage, you know, comes in with some fresh ideas. But if you hired a coach now because you're worried about, as Sean said, kind of the future of where you're going and, you know, making sure that you're holding everybody accountable now. And then you brought a guy like Matthew Darsh in. Do you think Matthew Darsh would go, well, I can't work with Cole Julian. I just, I just can't do it. <laughs> Um, so I don't see, I, I'm kind of on Sean's side now. I look at the, the past and the tenure of what DJ Smith is. And I look at every year they've said, we just need to start different. And they keep holding on to the last two months of a season that doesn't matter at all when they're so far out of it. And again, they're five and seven. What are we waiting for here? Are we waiting for them to actually be seven and 12? before they end up doing something like if you're going to, if you're thinking about doing it, it's probably in your mind that you're going to do it at some point. So why isn't that some point now? Angry Lee is the best Lee. <laughs> I'm right. not angry. That that, 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 the point, the point about the Raptors Oli is so true. And, and like I said, it's a different dynamic. It makes Sean me wonder. About we're, the, we're in Sepatico here. Well, but exactly. But it also makes me wonder. <laughs> I think about I'd the get a bell reference from either of you, but anyway. Yeah. The, uh, it makes me also wonder about the, about the Blue Jays setup, right? And, and you look down the road oh. at the Montreal setup, you know, how that works. And Jeff Gordon, who isn't comfortable around the media, as far as Hughes and choosing St. Louis and that whole diamond, like I say, it's a different phase in where you're going. But it also just makes me wonder very respectfully. I'm sure Steve Steos is a very bright guy. He was a junior hockey guy. He apprenticed in Edmonton. He has come into a situation here, and you're kind of probably looking around on what the hell do I do? And I guess I'll ask Ian, I guess is it unfathomable to think at the end of the day that he quite simply actually thinks that DJ Smith is a good coach and that's his guy? I mean, yeah, listen, he and, and 
like he publicly backed him and, and I don't blame him. Like, like what, what else is he going to say uh, other than I have full confidence? Cause if he says yeah. anything short of that, oh, then yeah, people yeah. like the three of us are going to be like, Oh, look at, right. he did it. Like, that, that day was right? about Pierre Dorian and what yeah. happened as the general manager getting fired. Wasn't about DJ Smith that day. Yeah. So look again, I, I think it's tough because like Ann Lauer and Steos are in what, what are they play 12 games and that again, this is what I'm saying. It's boiling over for, for the fans, and they're just like walking into the pool, like, hey guys, what's going on? And everyone's like in this <laughs> pool that's like bubbling over, and they're just showing up. But it's and- not just the fans, too, right? You you guys mentioned it's the Claude Giroux, it's the Jacob Chickrens. Yeah, it's the it's the guys like Claude well, Bra- Giroux doesn't have they're all frustrated. Like all I know, of them. but but Brady's like- got another 10 years to try and win. Claude Giroux doesn't, and that's the difference. Claude Drew came here to actually win. I know he came back hometown and everything else, but he came to be with a group of guys, and he's played better than people thought. He came back to win. But having said that, Lee, he has been probably the biggest backer of, of DJ Smith. I mean, he didn't have to come out the other day and make, and, and those comments to, to, to quiet people down aren't going to work. But Ian, I get the sense that Claude Drew, and I also kind of threw via, you know, Tony Greco, other people, yes, you think DJ Smith is a great coach. So that may be a, a bit of an issue in itself. Yeah. Again, I like like it was funny because I was thinking to myself the other day when Claude uh, said what he said. I went back because Claude lived through in Philadelphia. Remember they were ch- chanting "Fire Hackstall." Dave Hackstall yeah, was the coach. Yeah. And he I had went five different and, coaches in Philly. And 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 Claude's comments about Dave Hackstall were exactly the same. It was like, "Hey, oh. enough. We're tired of the negativity. Okay. We're not. So like he's seen this before. I guess is my point. Like yeah, he's okay. lived it. He's experienced it. I just, you know, what my fear is, is that you guys remember, like, think of the old Florida Panthers team that had Ole Jokinen and Stephen Weiss. And, like, remember, they every year were like, oh, they're a good young bunch of guys. And they're just, you know. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Horton a, and Bo, Bo Nathan, Meester, Horton. All of them. And Never like, got you, that. You, but every year, what would you say? Good young core. They just mm-hmm. need a little bit of insulation. And think about Buffalo about six years ago. Here we go. We got Eichel. We got Reinhardt. We got... You don't want your you're at a more precarious tipping point in the program than maybe people realize because it becomes ingrained in the culture and you don't want that to happen. And this is the tipping point, right? Like yeah. if you go another year or two, you become those 2010 Florida Panthers or what the Buffalo Sabres are now where you just can't get out of it. That's the concern. I, 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 well, here's the other party and to go through historically recently, the Colorado Avalanche went through their first rebuild, right? with Duchesne, O'Reilly, all of yep. a sudden had to tear it up. Chicago had the ABC group way back. Pittsburgh gone through it. Edmonton, this is the second time around. In this case, that is to me the danger, and you just point out, first of all, I think Otto has a lot of good things in place. This isn't one of those rebuilds where you've made a bunch of picks, and you know, realistically, at the end of the day, with, with Weiss and Horton and them, it was the market, but I don't know how good they were. You have the players in place, and to your point, that sense of urgency, the window's open. So a couple of things here. They have every summer, Lee, not done themselves any favor on the pro side. When you go back to Murray and Dadanov, you go back to realistically trying to pump the tires, get everybody fired up. Sure, you've moved a bunch of crap out. You bring Debrinket in. This year, all of a sudden, Debrinket out. Kubelik comes in. Some of the other things here, unfortunately, I couldn't agree more, Ian. Your window is now open. I'm not talking about yeah. opening for a Stanley Cup, but the window is open. There's a move that 
could be made in the division. And a couple of things on the pro side, Lee, it hasn't been good enough because had this lineup been augmented properly and fired on all cylinders, and I'll use New Jersey as an example, your club who have really done a nice job of, I got my young, I got my old, now we got forward progress. Well, now they made a coaching change and Lindy Ruff, and he had a little bit of a rough time. But to the point, Lee, both on the coaching and the players, the window's open and you're not giving yourself a chance. And the easiest thing, I know, come on, Matt, it's my show. I can do what I want. Yeah, rough, rough, um, rough time, man. Rough, I know. It's been a rough but, time. Well, I just think about them booing him and then saying, we love yeah. you, Lindy, or whatever. Yeah. But, but yeah. That, that point, Lee, I can't change the summer. I can't with the salary cap. Effectively, the bet has been made. Yeah. But what you can do circling back to is – try to save your season. And there are some really good, in my estimation, pretty good candidates out there. And I'll just ask you quickly, Lee, if you were to make a coaching change, the people available right now, who would you go with? Well, I think it's tough not to look at a guy like Claude Julian because when he comes in, I think he's got a different respect level. And then all of a sudden, everything is lifted. He can put some things in place, but he can also let the players put some things in place. And I think it's instant respect from the players in a time where you absolutely have to have it. I think there are other guys out there that can do a good job and maybe long-term would be better suited to do a good job. But you have cleared, unfortunately, like the way that it's happened with the death of Eugene Melnick and the firing of Pierre Dorian because of the mistake that he made. But the culture that was there, and I, I, I'm not putting DJ Smith in that, but the fans see the last six years, the last playoff game they had again was 2017 and we're you know a month and a half away from 2024 like yeah. come on like where that is the last part of it and i know sometimes perception's reality and a lot of people look at it and go that's the last piece of the culture that was here and if you brought somebody that was credible in that could teach and be a little bit of a disciplinarian i think even if that's not the long-term answer that's what this club needs right now the problem is, uh, as you, I'm sure, will ask, is like if you get Claude Julien, would I like him for three, four, five years? I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I think he might be the right guy right now, but I don't know for how long a period that would be. And who would you go with? And, and I'll say a couple of things to that, Lee. First of all, hey, based on what you paid for the franchise, if he is only good for the rest of this year and you owe him some dough, you're not the Toronto Maple Leafs, Ian, but it's still going to, in my estimation, it would still be a worthy investment. Who would you go with? Well, yeah, it's a good question. Like, I, I mean, Julian's name is one that that you obviously you hear about, but but I I would look at Claude Julian in the way that I would look at. What well, remember I said with Ken Hitchcock at Edmonton, where you just bring him in for the rest of the year. I don't know that he's your guy for like the next three or four years. You know, the name that I've always thought was really interesting. I, I think Simmer, you floated it out, but I think he would need a lot of like veteran support. Is Jay McKee? Yeah. Um, I think you floated you you floated his name, right? Like Yeah, and like, I've only connected that based on the online situation. Yeah, Same but, thing with Stales. I don't I don't I know Jay as a player. That, I don't know much about as a coach. Those are the, like but that that you know type of voice or whatever like and you know Jay McKee being a, a defensive defenseman or whatever like in theory I'm thinking mm -hmm. that's exactly what you might need, but like like, like I don't know like I as I look I'm always leery of the quote unquote coaching carousel because you're, mm -hmm. you're are you just going to go and get somebody because they've coached 500 games like i don't i don't know mm -hmm. that that but it, but then again the counterpoint on that is that's something ottawa hasn't done historically mm -hmm. right they've always right. gone and given 
Paul McClain and Dave Cameron and you know I guess I guess Guy Boucher would have been the last guy that they hired. Yeah, I mean he he had coached yeah. the league and um, coach uh, very know. short. Here's a and let's also recognize Ian back to Corey Cluston, Paddock. These are all budget situations. None of those guys that have had it, that job have gone on to now coach another team or be a coach in the National Hockey League. Here's a few things and Rick Tockett's a, a bit of an example. He took over Vancouver last year, kind of, but at that point the season was gone. So I can come in and have my boot camp. I can kick some asses, do some things. It's fine. Now it's carried over to this year the first of all with Jay McKee and this is where you go veteran all the way it's going to be basically come in and rock and roll Jay McKee is basically a coach that's never coached in the National Hockey League he needs a training camp he needs a next summer where he can come in do his thing for Jay McKee to come in in a situation like this with the pressure it's under if it continues to go sideways then he's basically sabotage his own career you can't bring him back this is one of those tough moments and and let's be honest as well it's not easy for where Ottawa's at and historically and I guess you'd have to go back how many times do you make a mid-November November coaching change and actually make the playoffs? I don't know. Most times I mean, it's done. Washington did it. Remember the year Washington did it? And they, well, you had been really like paying attention, but like yeah. obviously they, they got rid of, uh, was it Glenn Hanlon and they brought in Bruce Boudreaux? That was yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's December. a great point. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Are, exactly. You so, yeah. For, are you guys forgetting Larry Robinson and Robbie Fratoric back in the day well, that, or what? Yeah, but, but, <laughs> eight, but, eight but, but ago? <laughs> yeah. But no, that was that Larry got, Claude Julian got fired, didn't he? And then Larry came in? No, Claude Julien got fired in 07 with New Jersey, and yeah. Lou came in behind the bench. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Remember okay. that? And Lee, they Lee's it, they've, the, done it. they've done it yeah. twice. But but and here's the other one, and we see we had seen a trend for a while where the guy from the American League would come up, right? I don't think that's an option from Ottawa. But, 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 to, but to your to your point, Sean, can we yeah. finally give the fans or the people of Ottawa or the organization some credibility on hiring a coach that's actually yeah. been a coach? before well like yeah and and this is where i'll go back historically parallels guys of going back i can't believe how similar the situation was when you had god of randy sexton who i saw last night i wonder if he's circling around and you had dave allison the thing was a gong show you had pierre gauthier come in as a general manager to stabilize it actually you know he didn't even make any great trades he ended up flipping out pavel dimitra but it was the jacques martin factor now, also to Jacques, it wasn't solved overnight what I could probably want, but there's no doubt Jacques had had experience. He's coaching with Mark Crawford and Joel Quenville. He slides in. That's what you need right now because let's face facts. Ottawa, if you were going to make a coaching change, guys, it would have been October, November. In a perfect world, it would have been the summertime. But Ian, that schedule as of December 1st, there's not a lot that I'm going to be implementing on. You know how the grind is going to be in making a coaching change. You're going to have some tough love. You're going to have some moments there. All of a sudden, it's not going to be forward progress. So to Lee's point, hey, I'd say by the time, well, by the end of the month, if you haven't made that decision, which I don't think right. they will, to me, the ship has already sailed. And that's they, why and I do if it I'm right now. And if I'm not mistaken, though, by the time they come back from Sweden, they will have played and then they get a few days off. I think they'll have the fewest games played in the NHL. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah their I October, think, right? November schedule is tiny. And then you get yeah. into almost every second night the rest of the way. Yeah, and so yeah, there's an argument to be made that there's, they have more, a little bit more run, not much runway, but a little bit more runway. But um, uh, okay, but imagine can I throw one other name at you guys. Yeah. yeah, I just I'm curious, and I know that uh, what's our time limit here, Simmer? I you told oh, me we come don't on, have any. Pop on for 15 minutes, and now it's been an hour, and this is awesome. <laughs> you're gonna get your. I, I have that Russian those Russian watches that I'm gifting out to all the guests. It will come yeah. in oh. the mail at least before Christmas. So oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got lots um, of time. Let's just have some fun on a Friday. I appreciate I, you guys coming on. Oh yeah, no, listen, we we love hanging out with you. Um, yeah, Patrick Waugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where do you guys fall on the Patrick Waugh discourse? Uh, you I'm, know what. I, 
Okay, go I'm ahead. Lee. For, I, I'm just here for it, Simmer. Uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, going into the National Hockey League and not necessarily having as much success and stepping back and doing what he's done in junior and coming back up and understanding all levels. I know he likes to do things mm-hmm. his own way, but I do think it's instant respect when he walks into the room. And I think right now mm-hmm. you need that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm always careful with the instant respect stuff because I was kind of laughing the other day when Celine Dion, if you saw those clips of her visiting the Montreal Canadiens in the dressing room, I think the only person that was starstruck was Marty St. Louis. Could you agree that probably Cole Caulfield and, and Suzuki have not grown up on the Celine Dion, Ian? Like, like, and I, I say that, that do these players realistically, other than video games, is Patrick Waugh rolling in to these players, Ian, that big of a deal? I Like, I think so. I. Yeah, I think like, we're comparing Patrick Wall to Celine Dion. I know. No, no, I, I, I know, but my, my point, no, 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 but we always see how quick, like I'll, I'll talk to Matty or Zach about a player that retired 10 years ago. They don't even know who he is. You know, like my analogies I love to use. My, my Okay, forget about the part I know, with Patrick Wall. But this Wall is like the in, greatest goalie here, here, of all time, right? Like this yeah, is yeah, this yeah. is a different level of yeah. of But that, 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 that whole, when the G-man came in and took over Arizona, you know, that that's pretty quick. Like, okay, maybe that first little bit. Patrick was a good coach. Another comparison, Ian, and, and Lee makes a great point. Bruce Cassidy started out in Washington. It went sideways. It was a bad circumstance. What does he do? Goes back to Kingston coaches. He goes to the American League, goes to Boston. Well, now he's probably the best coach in the National Hockey League. So for Patrick Waugh's side, I totally agree, Lee. And my buddy Tim Army was one yeah. of his assistant coaches, a real attention to detail guy. If you have the right people... Would that be, and hey, let's be honest with you, how much fun would it be? And to that, Ian, do I think I'd look at that and try something like that? If he's supported right right now with a real good technical coach around him and you want to come in and kick some ass and get some accountability, the problem was in in Colorado twofold. There was no accountability. It was a young team. But if you also remember, the mistake they made was giving him a say in the personnel, right? That was where when you gave the coach that, and I think it might have been on Radulov coming back, that you you open up that Pandora's box, which wouldn't be here in Ottawa. Yeah, I'd be for all forty, and I, I I think well, first of all, it'd be an absolute hoot. Can you imagine in this market? Well, like like he'd be a big he'd be the face of the franchise, Lee, in Ottawa because of who he is. I think well, more so than the, the with the players. And you heard Michael Anlauer when he first came in, you know, saying and understanding that Ottawa was this market and proud market between Toronto and Montreal, and trying to sort of you know, vault it up to the level. Do you think Patrick Waugh would take that personally? If Patrick Waugh was the head coach of this team, trying to put it on the level of, we're not going to back down from Montreal. We're not going to back down from Toronto and kind Mm -hmm. of using his voice and using kind of his personality to make sure that Ottawa was not forgotten in that. I think that that marketing part of it would be electric for this market. But I, I do think when we talk about all of these coaches, I, I think it's easier sometimes uh, I'm trying to give myself maybe a, a something self-confidence about not working for the last five months, Ian, where <laughs> I say it's it's easier to take a step back and, and look at a big picture because I'm not necessarily, I follow it, but I'm not involved in it every day. Yeah. But if I said to both of you guys, guys, there's a team a that has not played a playoff game since 2017. They've, had incredible drama around their franchise for the last six years. None of it good. They've never made the playoffs. 
They keep talking about starting well. They keep not doing it. They're five and seven again this year. They're in dead last place in the Eastern Conference. Dead last. God, I know and, a team that fits this description. So right, this but, team A you speak of, yeah. it's yeah, like you're but, speaking to me personally. But, but if but if that were like Detroit or Buffalo or Washington, and they'll be out, they've had the same coach and they've had all of this stuff, and they can make one move to kind of you know, Steos is now here and Alfie's back. And they could make one coaching move and all of the, like everything, the perception of the organization has changed at that point. Would you do it? Well, we'd be sitting here going, what, what is Buffalo doing? Not making the move. What is Detroit doing? Not making the move. And that's what people Mm -hmm. are saying about Ottawa. What the hell are they doing? Not making Mm -hmm. this move because it's been so long. And we talk about it. Like it's so different this year. It's not. It's similar to Detroit fans. I'll tell you with, with, with Jeff Blashill, right? Like it got to a point where they were like, this guy can't, he's just not the right fit. So look, you're right. And I think the frust that's my only, my only point is like, I just hope that everybody in that organization appreciates the anger from the fan base. This isn't fake yeah. outrage. This isn't fake. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, people are trying to create media drama or whatever. Those are people who pay their hard-earned money to go down to Canada to watch this team play, and they don't feel like uh, their money is being, you know, rewarded or, or however you want to phrase it. And, and they that's want a dangerous thing. And they want yeah. they want they want oh, to yeah. give you money. I can't stress that enough. They <laughs> yeah. want to love you um, so badly. Just listen yeah. to them. And, and I'm not yeah. saying you can't listen to them for everything. Don't listen to yeah. them for everything. Yeah. But listen to them. That's all. Yeah, Just, and, and, make them feel hurt. That's the important thing. Make them feel hurt. Yeah, and, and this is probably the timing. And Lee, you bring up, and this is again back to any fun discussion you have. Yeah. What you need, and and I love Jimmy Devilani used to talk about marketing. They're giving away a card every Detroit game, and he'd point up at the team picture. He'd point at Steve Eiserman. The Detroit, the Tampa Bay Lightning, different market, but they didn't say to themselves, "We got a real good hockey team. We got to go and hire Scotty Bowman." They said, "No, we got to make the right move and hire John Cooper." From a sense perspective, I'll be at the '93 draft in Quebec City. What was going to be the big marketing tool for Ottawa and the Frank? phone fans and the next superstar the we're going to draft alexander Degg. we're going to yeah. give him a huge contract we're going to make him a star the patrick wall one is awesome and first of all patrick wall will be mad at montreal because he never got an opportunity well patrick wall comes in and if you believe he's the right coach and you can win that's awesome you'll get to the playoffs if patrick wall comes in and all of a sudden it turns into a crap storm and he loses his crap on this hockey team hey this is what it's all about. And this is probably where Steve Steos is a bit of a dilemma. What is the right move? I think there's a lot of risk in Patrick Waugh, but at the same time, not against it. And I hate to be kind of the steady Eddie, but I do look at a situation with Claude Julian and all the coaching that he's had, how he'd come in and do it. That would probably be my safe bet to do something, guys, but I'm not disagreeing. But any idea of marketing and, hey, you are the Ottawa Senators. And, Lee, you say this. I say this all the time. New Jersey Devils will never be the New York Rangers. It doesn't matter if they've won a million Stanley Cups. You are Ottawa. What do you need to do? Like any fan base, you need to win. And I'll tell you what, you're not going to win under DJ Smith. So to me, you have to make a change. And it's not Capuano. It's not your minor league coach. Yeah, you come in and bring somebody. And like I said, Ian, when I paid $950 million US million for the franchise, I don't think it would be bad money. I can't spend right now to make a player change. I don't think three or $4 million bucks would be that take, big of a deal. Take take the phone call, Ian. Take it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I won't. I won't. But I do have to probably run here in a moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to wrap it up uh, anyway. But 
Look, I, and I saw one of the comments in the uh, or people in the comment section say yeah. you guys should make this a regular Friday roundtable, but not sure you could make it fit under the cap. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Not at yeah. all. Yeah, no. Uh, we're starting out. Ground. We're starting out as kind of the Ottawa Titans, so money's tight. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty cheap, Ian, right now. I'm pretty cheap. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but but You're no, honestly, the expensive guy. This, this, no, but this has been yeah. so much fun because the one thing I yeah. did want to say, and I didn't get a chance to say it, is like working with the two of you, and I've had a pleasure of doing a lot of great, cool things in my career. Co-hosting regular talk shows with the two of you top of my mm -hmm. list in terms of fun, engaging things. And I feel like um, both of you brought the best out of me as a broadcaster. Both of mm -hmm. you made me a better person because you opened up to me about things in your personal life that just made me appreciate mm -hmm. where you were coming from. And it made me a better person, but it made me a better mm -hmm. broadcaster. And honestly, this was so much fun to do. Yeah. Uh, would love to do it again at Oh, at we some will. point, yeah. it's hard to knock down. It's hard yeah. to chase down Lee though to get things done. I've been no, trying no, to, but I, to hey, hang Lee, out with this guy I, for Lee. weeks, and he's like, oh, "I can't do it." I'm busy. and I got to be honest with you. Lee and I had conversations for years. Like, I think Ian's a bit sideways in his personal and professional life. We're yeah. gonna rein this guy. <laughs> I just want to know. He brought but, me in to look after yeah. his cat. Like, yeah, no, that's what, what, that, live that, on the air. Hey, that no, that's, that's live on the air. That, that's love. That's love right there. But I also said, <laughs> Ian, that was one of the neat parts. And I, I did appreciate it as it got on and probably about year five or six with yourself, Ian, every, or Lee, everybody else there. That was yeah. really the nice part. And when I run into JR hammer yourselves, even last year, I saw you guys at a hockey game, that ability to just run into a person on a human level and yeah. your guards down, right? You're, you're not kind of yeah. looking around and wondering what the hell's going on or what's being said. And it's yeah. hard to have that. And yeah, let's, this is a crazy world right now. What's happened in the media, but Hey, we're all circling around doing different things. And uh, maybe one day we'll all be it, reunited anyway. Yeah, yeah. It was a fa It was a family and it still is a family. I think would absolutely that, that yeah. feel that way. A dysfunctional family, but a family nonetheless. Now, well, that's not. Wait, is there such a thing a as a family? Yeah, right? you know a yeah. lot of functional yeah. families. No, no, no. I don't know a no. single functional family. No, actually, the ones that are functional are the ones that don't talk to each other. Those yeah, right. are the ones that actually. You know what? what one thing yeah. Simmer always said that was so true was yeah. when you spend four hours a day uh, yeah. talking to your co-host, that's more time than you would spend talking to anybody else in your life, including your oh, partner, God, yeah. anybody oh. else, and yeah. you have to develop like an actual authentic connection and a rapport right oh, and big Simmer, time. you and i big it took time. us a while yeah. but we oh, got sure, there yeah. and then yeah. when we got there it was awesome and i don't care what yeah, anybody exactly. says we know and then lee you and i got put together after they uh they broke us up uh, yeah. Simmer and, I. and then yeah. i felt like you and i did some of the more fun shows like i said that that yeah. that i've ever done there because but you, you were would, really you good would push i think me though that that's the thing lee would push me more like like kind of force yeah. me to give my opinion whereas i loved with simmer I think mm -hmm. where I was really good was kind of setting the table for him to. Well, well you, asked, you asked a you asked a question, then I talked for fifty nine minutes, yeah. and then we went to the top of the hour. Right, but it actually, <laughs> you know, in in knowing <laughs> Ian, and again, I want to say all of these nice things, but no, like, but on a personal you're, you're level, son, you guys, are, you guys are more connected though. Like that's a, that every dynamic but, is different on, right. on the, cowboy, the way you operate. The cowboy, the heat, the exactly. The, the, but Ian was always sure. like what, like some of the stuff that he would say or write or broadcast or whatever. It was like I always wanted to know what he thought and it actually like kind of pissed me off a little bit like how many <laughs> questions he would ask without yeah. answering them himself because it's like if i want to know the answer i know everybody else wants to hear his opinion too and sometimes yeah. you know and that's what you're talking about and sometimes you would push back at me like why are you asking me and i was like 
because I actually <laughs> want to know. I just didn't yeah. say it like that. But yeah. the fans yeah. want to know, and I want to know. But you were really good, I think, with Sean and I, kind of allowing us to to bring out some of the personal side and understanding that you know we you know had gone through some things before and and developing oh, yeah. relationships. And you were always yep. kind of at the forefront. And I don't know as good of a broadcaster as you are. I think that's one of the the big lessons that I've learned from you is that you know to make sure that you're in constant communication and keep up and developing those relationships and when because when you break through it turns into something great and hopefully you know we all have that together and you pushed Ian I think for a lot of that to happen with both of us so thank you yeah and now and now the 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 listeners the viewers are like all right guys stop patting yourselves on the back yeah no 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 and and that's the other part too and I'll say to JR and everything else with all the stuff going and swirling around that was one of the beautiful parts like I felt like we walked in and every day we were putting on the best shows ever and that hey we understood the dynamics of what was going on with Bell and what was going on economically but it didn't matter like I I felt like and we didn't have the greatest studios in the world I didn't care you rolled in every day you put in some good work and he just had an absolute blast and to me that says a lot about the group so i appreciate you guys coming in on a friday absolute blast to catch up yeah. uh lee it's been a long time uh ian we're hopefully gonna have you on next week from yes. uh from sweden so from and, uh, sweden i'm hoping i can uh we'll yeah. figure it out we'll figure it out with the time or you're gonna be no, for sure you'll be cutting into you know me i like to cut <laughs> loose and, and really let my hair down oh. at night i think it's cold. perfect <laughs> though i know i can see you going on an all-night bender you come back and have breakfast you sleep it off and then hey sure. by the time it's 6 p.m you're ready to get up and go I was gonna be say, like a good show, scout over there if this right? show starts at noon try and get Ian before he goes to bed at like six or well seven that's a good that night, actually yeah. a good point too some yeah, weird yeah. times as far as the games but that's going to be a blast uh, enjoy Ian Lee always great to catch up with you brother and uh, for all the listeners out there it is the Sean Simpson show never ever forget that and have a beauty <laughs> Friday everybody and have a great weekend and we look forward to talking on Monday cheers thanks guys see ya and that's a wrap Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast Simmer Down with Sean Simpson on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.